0: yo, Welcome everyone to episode 18 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this is my co-host Dylan from Galactic Battleground. Hello! This week I want to shout out Punch Planet. It's an awesome indie fighting game that was debuted at Evo a few years ago. Go check it out and let us know what you think. This week we have the pleasure of speaking with Eugene Kang. He is a senior sound designer at Riot Games. How are you doing today, Eugene? I'm great. I'm really excited to talk to you about this stuff. I'm a big Riot Games fan, um, but I want to talk to you about the importance of sound design in video games. It's something that's often overlooked by people that don't have a fine-tuned ear for it. So first off, I want to start out with, who is Eugene? Tell me a little bit about yourself so that people know kind of why you're someone that should be speaking on this subject.
1: Um. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm Eugene. Um. I've been working in audio for video games f- since uh 2011, around that time. Um. And, uh, yeah, as of like very recently, actually, actually, I, whoa, okay, today is, I didn't even realize this today is actually on the day, my eight year anniversary at Riot. Um, so I've been at it for a minute. Yeah. I guess other things, uh, I love fighting games. I love music. I love making music. I love listening to it. I love performing it. That's, that's kind of the general gist I would say.
0: Awesome. Let us know a little bit about your history as a sound designer. How did, I mean, how did you get to Riot Games?
1: oh okay yeah well i guess there's two parts to this right like one the history of me becoming a sound designer and the other one getting to riot right uh so for sound design um so i've always music has been a huge part of my life ever since i was a little kid um just like you know a lot of kids growing up in my generation um you know it was always really popular to get piano lessons um and both of my parents are huge into music they both have a history of um, performing music themselves And so it was really important for them, for my brother and I to both get a lot of music education. So ever since I was like seven or eight, um, probably even younger than that. Now that I think about it, um, I was involved with piano, violin, stuff like that. And uh, it kind of continued like throughout like college and afterwards where I just joined and created a bunch of like um, uh, bands that I was a part of where where I played electric bass. Uh, But in the midst of all that, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And um, I've loved games ever since I was a kid as well. And um, fortunately in my school, Carnegie Mellon, um, there were just a lot of kids trying to figure out how to make games themselves, but there were almost no um, sound designers or composers around that wanted to help out. And so I just kind of sold my wares around the other students and just kind of asked like, hey, like who wants sound, who wants music? And then that combined with, A band that I had at the time which was a video game music cover band I kind of realized that I kind of don't want to do anything else and so I went to grad school and kind of really like super focused on two years of just learning how to sound design properly and um, use audio middleware and um, game engines and and all all sorts of things and um, I was lucky enough to get an internship at EA in 2011 and that just kind of you know started my whole career and um in terms of how i got to riot i mean it was kind of i mean just like just like most stories when it comes to this i'm sure um it was just pure luck i was at gdc um the then audio director uh jay wyford was just kind of hanging out was, this was kind of near the end of gdc and they were just cleaning up the career booths and he was just hanging out just relaxing next to the riot games booth and i saw that he had a shirt on And um, I just cold asked him if he was looking for like an associate audio person. And he said, actually, that's exactly what we're looking for. And from that point, within one month, I started the application process, did the audio test um, and got a job offer all within one month. It went super fast, Um, which is very atypical of just most game companies that are as big as Riot. Yeah, it it happened super fast and very lucky. Yeah, speaking
2: on like going to GDC, like what is GDC and why is it important to people Um, in the game community?
1: Yeah, so GDC stands for Game Developers Conference. It's a huge conference that takes place in San Francisco. At GDC, there's everything from an enormous job fair where a bunch of game studios, outsourcing houses, you name it, like they're all there. Um, If they have anything to do with games, they're usually there. And at the same time, there are a lot of workshops and talks given by a lot of industry leaders. So it's a great opportunity to learn a bunch of stuff. Um, But the most valuable part about GDC, to me at least, and I'm sure many people will agree with me, is that it's just a great place to just meet other devs and just form connections. And so, you know, to this day, I, I would have to look at my notes to recall what I learned about in talks. But I've met and made friends and connections there that, you know, I still keep in touch with and are, I consider very close friends to this day. So that's basically what GDC is all about.
0: That's really cool to hear from you, actually, because we just interviewed a few weeks ago, the guys we had, Armed and Gelatinous, Rob and Anthony, and they spoke on GDC and when they went and how it was huge for them just to make connections. And that was the biggest thing that they took away from that. Now, I'm wondering outside of that side of it, where do you draw your inspiration from when you're creating sound effects and you're creating soundtracks for games?
1: Yeah, so I, I can't speak on the soundtrack part that much. My involvement with creating soundtracks for games is pretty limited, but I can definitely speak on sound design um, and VO design. So for, for, for sound effects, I would say that my main inspiration would be a lot of, I guess, Japanese games from the 90s and 2000s and a lot of games, mostly indie games, that work on a very small audio budget. And the reason why I draw from those a lot as inspiration is because with both the constraint of budget and also just a whole part of game development that just has a different way of thinking about sound design than us Westerners do, is that they tend to focus on not just addressing the quality of, of I guess, the thematic representation. So, like, for instance, like, what I mean by that is something like, I guess, uh, if someone okay, if you're playing like a fighting game and someone just like, I don't know, just like punches another person, the highest execution on quality would be, you know, being able to really hear the material of whatever someone's wearing in the whoosh and really hearing like this nice cinematic style, like crunch when you punch someone very film-esque, I guess. But what I really like about Japanese and indie games is that um, they tend to focus on the feeling of doing that action, if it makes any sense. So like, There are a lot of things that they do that's very, like, non-diegetic. And just to explain what what that means real quick, for those who don't know, diegetic just means um, anything from, like, art, sound, whatever, that exists in the world of the game that you're making. So, for instance, like, characters are diegetic. They live in that world. And stuff that's non-diegetic is stuff like UI. Like, a life bar does not exist in that world, but it's there anyway. And so the non-diegetic stuff is just kind of, like... It doesn't really sound like anything concrete. It's mostly there to just sell the feeling of doing what you're doing. That's something that I've always liked because in my conversations with non-audio people, um, a lot of people have a really hard time talking about audio. And when they speak about the kind of audio that they like, they always talk about audio that highlights a very important narrative beat in whatever it is that they were doing in their game. And so if you ask Tekken players what they love, they love the sound of that, like, ankle crunch sound whenever you do, like, a low kick and it, you hear this, like, really pronounced bone crunch. They love that sound. Um, if you ask League of Legends players what they like, they love the sound of Jax, this this champion where it's just, like, this dude with a lantern. And they always point out this audio bug of, of his crit attack sound playing over and over and over again on a tower. And I can talk forever about like why, why, why they love that and why that's important.
0: Are you talking about his bonk?
1: Yes. The bonk. Yeah. And and so like what, what I, my takeaway from all, from all these conversations is just that like to a certain extent, a lot of, I found that a lot of people, non-audio people, don't really care as much about the quality of the sound design, at least the quality as it pertains to audio people, but they care more about how it represents and emphasizes and creates a hierarchy in their actions just to, you know, just to help people feel like they're the star of the show and that they've made like meaningful choices or whatever, if any of that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it totally makes sense. And like when, when you emphasize it so much, you know, it shows the importance. And like, when you're looking at a game, why is sound design so important to it? I know I just said that, but there has to be like, the, like for fighting, I mean, not fighting games, but uh, FPF games, you know when you hear their footsteps, like you can hear them and you know when people are coming from behind you and stuff like that's important, but like why is it important for you and like for other gamers and people that are in the
1: audio industry so I guess there's like the obvious answer, which is just that you know when there's no audio in a game, like no audio whatsoever it just feels empty, right like you're just seeing a bunch of moving picture and a lot a lot a lot of stuff that's like abstract or intangible doesn't really get communicated so for instance, like you know you know that old trick of like Hey, watch a horror movie without the sound, and it's way it's way less scary, right? Like, there's like that's that's I guess that's like the first obvious answer of just just like it completes.
0: You're talking like total immersion kind of thing,
1: right? Right. Well, yeah, and and also just like com- doing like taking whatever thematics a game is throwing at you and just kind of like making you know c- going full circle with it. It's just like you know you see like someone getting stabbed and like the everything about what that suggests like that image just gets completed with audio so like that's 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 like the obvious answer right the 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 part that's more meaningful to me is that for games specifically is that it helps communicate um a lot of abstract concepts that could be represented by art and often is represented by art but like abstract concepts like what's an example i guess the first thing that comes to mind like probably my favorite sound effect ever since i was a little kid is um in Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, there's a parry mechanic in that game, and you parry by doing literally the opposite of blocking. Like you hold back to block, you tap forward or down in order to in order to parry, and neither of those things also allow you to block. So you're being very brave when you do that, and the sound of parrying um, is mixed is sits so high in the mix, and like. The like it's it's so piercing and high and like it, it starts off with like this really like the beginning of it is like super noisy and then it immediately like smooths out into like an almost like a tonal finish. It's really cool. And it doesn't really sound like anything concrete that exists in our world. Um, it, it just sounds very stylized. It celebrates kind of like your willingness and bravery to call out your opponent on an action that they're about to do that ha- like that hasn't happened yet. Like you're predicting what they're doing. And like that whole that whole concept of doing that, of like being super brave in a game where, you know, if you want the benefit of power, you have to do the exact opposite of the safest thing to do in the game, which is blocking. Being able to communicate stuff like that to a player is, is that's that's why, that's my main sort of like bit on why sound design is so important for games.
0: I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, like you say, it's the opposite of what you want to do to be safe. So you're being bold, but it's also very, very punishable and without that that little bit of sound in there the other player may not even notice that you parried and maybe they have time to respond to it but i want to know since we've already kind of talked about it a little bit i want to know how did you get into video games like when when are some of your earliest memories about video games and which ones really stick with you to this day
1: yeah so like if we're going all the way back to the beginning um when i was maybe like six or so. Um, the NES was still kind of like popular among a, a lot of kids. And I was at like a like a family friend gathering sort of thing. And um, I remember seeing Duck Hunt and um, by my friends' parents had to yell at me to like not walk all the way up to the screen because I kept trying to like punch the ducks like out of the screen. <laughs> so I guess that's where I first saw it and I was kind of hooked ever since. My first system was the Super Nintendo, because that those same friends, their parents saw how much I liked it. And they thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if for his birthday next year or whatever, we got him the latest console, which was the Super Nintendo. And that's that was kind of like the beginning of it all. Like I was just extremely hooked from there. In terms of things that really stuck out, like games that really stuck stuck out to me, um, I mean, Chrono Trigger, like that's, that's not like a super unique answer I know, but Chrono Trigger really stuck with me because it kind of combines the ability to, like, not only sh- not only show, because it's easy to tell, like, you just have, like, you know, text going across the screen. Um, but in a game where you're supposed to change the outcome of the future by altering the past, there's a lot of cool, like, there's tons of environmental storytelling. There's, like, a lot of just, like, there's a lot of stuff that that happens that the world just shows you about, like, how things happened. And they just never stop to tell you. Like, they just show you that stuff. And that was the first time I ever saw anything like that. And I, I loved that. And the music in that game was amazing, too. I guess, the, like, other memorable parts would be: um, I mean, Street Fighter three, Third Third Strike and Super Smash Bros. 64 were both, like, huge game changers to me. Those were the first two games that I decided to become, like, really competitive in. Somewhere along the way, I was kind of entranced by fighting games, both by how difficult they were and just also how cool they looked when someone who really knew what they were doing uh, was playing and so i kind of like stayed on the edge of fighting games and just kind of just watched tons of videos anything that i could find for like a solid two to three years like i remember asking my parents for a dvd set of evo 2002 um and they were really confused because they were like wait you just want a dvd of just video footage of people playing video games and i was like yes absolutely um And so I just stayed on the sidelines of that for years. And then I finally decided to get into it when both Smash Brothers and Third Strike kind of came around. And I've just kind of been like competing and like it started with just like traveling to like, you know, going to like my high school to just like play other kids. And then eventually um, I started going to like a nearby community college to play more people. And then eventually I started, you know, going on car rides with my friends to like, a random record shop that we knew had a third strike cabinet somewhere in Philly that we would drive to. And then we would go to places in New York city. Like we went to Chinatown fair to play there and it just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and that momentum just never stopped. So yeah, if I were to point out like two big moments in gaming for me, it would just, it would be those two, I guess.
2: Totally awesome, dude. That's so cool that you traveled a lot around to like New York and Philly just to play your favorite game. Like that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, on the lines of video games, and we already talked about your favorite ones, what are your favorite indie games?
1: Oh, um, whew, there's a lot. Well, I guess off the top of my head, I mean, just to get the really, I guess the, the most commonly picked ones out of the way, I mean, like a short hike inside and limbo while we're at it, a lot like those games come to mind really quickly. Um, Brothers, a Tale of Two Sons. Um, for the same reasons that I love Crown Trigger, I love the storytelling in Brothers of Tale, two sons. There's like there's like no dialogue, I think. Yeah, I think there's none. And it's just like a really awesome example of like show don't tell, which I really love. I'm uh pardon me for a second, because I'm I'm curious now. I'm just I'm just looking at my Steam right now and just kind of like going down most recently played. Um, because I'm having a hard time recalling indie games that really stood out to me, I guess. Um oh Mute to Zion, uh I really love that. Um, I thought the, the sound design, especially in that game, is really cool because when characters speak, you know, most of the time when you're playing games like Undertale or any old school like RPG, really, you know, the the most expressiveness that you'll get from characters audio wise is just kind of like a little, uh, like slightly different versions of like beep, beep 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 beep. Like when as the text shows up on screen, um, and Mew Design kind of takes it an extra step by kind of including foley sounds of objects that that character is associated with as their like text sounds and so like for instance you'll have like this old lady who like cooks for a lot of people like she loves cooking she manages a restaurant and so a lot of her text sounds are like the shuffling of pots and pans which i thought which i thought was really creative so like i like that game's great astroneer shout out to my friend christina ness who worked on that game that game's delightful i love it um dicey dungeons i spent a lot of time on it yeah i mean I guess I could. I'm going to stop myself from just listing all these games that I played, but those are just recent ones that really that really stood out to me.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to pick favorites when it comes to indie. I I haven't played a ton of them. I'm I'm getting more into them now. Yeah. Um. But I I would have a pretty long list too. Um. I want to go back to kind of where you were talking about some of your favorite memories with um, uh-huh. video games, and that is the fighting game community. I want to know what. It is that you like the most about the fighting game community,
1: yeah, if I were to sum it up, the thing that I like the most i mean there's there are a lot of things that I really love about the fighting game community. Uh, if I were to pick out one, maybe the most universal fact that I found with the fighting game community is that there are there are a lot of real life interactions and relationships that get built out of the premise the just the very simple premise that we're all here to do something very hard. <laughs> fighting games are very difficult and like competition in fighting games is even more difficult, especially when you're in a setting where it's just one V one, there's very little place to, I guess, protect your ego or like blame your loss on something else because it's literally just you and another person. You don't have a team to fall back on. And it's a pretty vulnerable atmosphere because you know sure like you're not going to lose money or whatever if if you lose it well unless you make an agreement saying like hey i bet this much money that i can beat you or whatever like money matches are a different thing but generally you physically show up to a place people can physically see you and you play another person and you know a lot of the times you'll lose in front of other people doing something very hard and all of that like it it encompasses so many hard things and fears that people have, like, you know, public speaking to a certain extent, because you're like, you're technically performing in front of a crowd because there's just people watching you play. But the fact that everyone in this community is exposed to that, there's kind of like this underlying sort of like uh, acceptance and understanding that, that this is something that we all experience and know. And it's just nice to be in an area, I guess, where you don't have to explain that to anybody because we all know that. And so, it, I don't know. I don't really know how to formulate it into words. Really, I'm bad at this. Uh, it just—it just feels really special. Like you just don't have to explain yourself to anyone, and everyone just kind of knows.
0: It's the kind of thing that you just don't have words for. It's community.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I guess. I guess if we're yeah to to make it sound romantic, yeah. I. What are the words that I can use to describe it? You, I just you, don't know. <laughs>
2: you hold it really dear to your heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, what what are you most proud of working on, like your projects?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if I'm by far the thing that I am the most proud of working on is what I'm working on right now, which is Project L. I can't say any details about Project L aside from the fact that it is a fighting game that is being worked on by Riot. Can't say anything further than that. But, you know, like I said, fighting games are very dear to me. And for a long time, I kind of... You know, I, I had the whole stint in my twenties where I was super into being competitive and all I wanted to do was get better so I could do better in tournaments and blah blah blah. But you know, that slowed down for me. Um and I've kind of gotten into a place where I'm comfortable with where I am skill wise. I don't really care about that anymore. I haven't for years. And um trying to search for ways to give back, to sort of take everything that I know and love about fighting games and just sort of like put it into like, you know, into a, a more concrete form. That's Absolutely what I'm the most proud of Project L right now. As far as things that already exist, as far as things that are already out, I would say for those who play League of Legends, uh, DJ Sono was was my baby. Basically, this skin, this version, alternate version of a uh, music, a music character in League of Legends. Like she she plays like an instrument that kind of looks like a Guccian, like a like a horizontal harp, I guess. But we were like, hey, what if those were turntables? And she became a DJ. And it was like great, awesome. What else? And they're like, oh, well, uh, what if she had like she can switch between different kinds of music, like a lot of music. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. And eventually, that that snowballed into like, what was it like forty five times three? I don't know. Check my math. Like, uh, I guess over two hours of music that I had to coordinate between six different DJs, and then you know edit it all, put it all into a music system that I made. Um, And it was my first time really messing with the music system. It was my first time that I had to sort of play producer among all these different DJs, all these different artists. And I guess, you know, it was kind of the first time I I kind of quote unquote ran my own show. It was just like this really big project that that I was able to call the shots on. And I learned a lot. And even though there are a ton of things that I would go back and change about the final outcome of DJ Sona, like to this day, I'm super proud of that. And I guess one other thing that I'm really proud of would be Pentakill. It's this pentakill was another skin line in league of legends where the whole concept is like hey what if these five characters form the metal band together and it's called pentakill which is what um which is the thing in our game that our game shouts out when you kill five champions in a row um what if they formed a metal band that's called pentakill and it was a skin line that existed for a while and then about a year or so into into being at riot two other of my coworkers, one was a sound designer at the time but eventually became a full-time composer the other one was a composer we realized that all three of us really loves me- we re- We all really love metal. And so we thought, what if this was real? What if we just sat down and just made it? I was in like my early twenties. I had like a lot of energy. And so was um the, co- the other composer who worked on it. And we would like, the moment work would end, we would just inhale dinner, go into his, his studio and work until like two or 3 AM every day for like six months it was it was so much fun and the atmosphere was so creative and awesome and accepting and um, i'm really proud of what we came up with for the first album and i'm also really proud of what we came up with for the second album as well but just the process of like i guess ideating it from the ground up was just like I, i wouldn't trade that for anything like i yeah that's another thing i'm really proud of
0: those are both well i guess all of them are really good things to be proud of i mean I would definitely say that Sona is my favorite support character. So I've played her a, a ton, like probably too much. <laughs> um, and Pentakill is, it's an awesome album. You, you hear it every time you watch League Live. Um, so oh, that's yeah. cool to, to know that your work like is still being played pretty much every time that they stream a live game. So for the final shout outs here, Eugene, I want you to shout out any social media that you feel necessary, whether it be personal or a project you're working on um or even just like a riot shout out go ahead and give us those links
1: yeah well there's no there's no like singular avenue to like follow project l on because we don't really have like a social media or like website presence really like the the best way to learn about project l news as it comes out would be to just like follow general riot accounts so if you want to follow project l or just like you know stay tuned for news i would just like follow those accounts so um I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I'm assuming that they're, you know, like at Riot Games if you're on Twitter or something. So that's that's what I recommend for, for Project L if you want to hear more about it later. I guess one that I would want to give is um, to my friend and coworker, um, Patrick Miller. I guess the reason why is because he's been doing a lot of work recently, a lot and lot of work towards bringing new people into fighting games, just like expanding the scene, but not expanding it by finding other people who already play fighting games and like turning them on to like you know an event that he's doing although he did he does also do that to me like the work that he does that really stands out to me is like the stuff he does for beginners and so uh i guess if you for whoever's listening if you're in the california area and you're interested in playing fighting games particularly particularly guilty gear if you're interested in playing online because you know we don't have in-person tournaments these days and you want to get into fighting games, I would highly recommend that starting with Guilty Gear, starting with the events and tournaments that Patrick Miller puts together. If you want to follow him, the best place to reach out to him is on Twitter. So at PatTheFlip. If you're if you've always wanted to get into fighting games or 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 honestly, just be around a group of people who are also trying to learn something new and difficult. Just that very basic premise. Um, especially in these times, because you know, you're not gonna like I guess, go out really. That's, that's a great place to be big shout out to that. All
0: right. Well, we really enjoyed you being on here today, Eugene. Um, Appreciate all your insight on sound design and everything that you've worked on. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for that. And thank you for the shout outs to all that stuff. I will link that in the description below. If you guys like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to subscribe and hit that bell on YouTube. If you're listening to a podcast separately, Um, Just hit the subscribe button and follow us. We will be putting up a new video every Friday. And until next time, peace.